Decorating Pages is a podcast dedicated to taking you behind the scenes of the designs of your favorite TV shows and films. Each episode, I'll be sharing design stories from some of Hollywood's most famous sets. Interviews from set decorators, production designers, directors, and actors about creating the look of TV and film, about their design inspirations, and stories that take sets from page to screen. Hello, and welcome to Decorating Pages. I'm your host, Kim Wanup. So, like, what week are we on? We are we on, like, week 50 of this quarantine? Because all of a sudden it was dragon ass, and now it went super fast, April. I don't know. They've just flown by these last couple of weeks, and it's May. It's May 1st, people. Springtime in quarantine. Hmm. I guess someone will have to write that song. I don't know. I did check in with Derek Hill. Uh, from my last episode, I told you that his daughter uh, went to New York City she's a nurse and she went to help out at uh, one of the hospitals and she's doing great. She asked to stay for another round, but um, they didn't let them. I don't know what that's about, but maybe that's hopeful that they're doing well. Uh, I think it was a contract actually. They wouldn't extend the contract. Um, But seriously, all of those who are helping others in crisis, you are amazing and thank you. Um, What else? So, Last week, I did the best production design of the 60s bracket, and Cleopatra won. She beat out 2001 Space Odyssey. I mean, I think that's pretty surprising, but I guess the scale of Cleopatra and maybe the story behind the making of it gave it the edge, but I mean, I love the film. I, the time and everything and the scale of it, I just, you know, I think it's a wonderfully designed film, so I am glad that it won. I watched Unorthodox on Netflix this week. It's only four episodes. You can do it in like one night. I did. Uh, I liked it. It gave a glimpse inside the Orthodox Jew lifestyle. And I just thought the look that they had in the people's houses, it really captured who these people were. And it was just really interesting little details of religion all over the rooms and the aluminum foil, which I'm not going to ruin anything. You're going to have to watch it to see what I'm talking about. Um, I do think Netflix forgot to post episode five because that was a real shit ending, but that's just me. So there. I am still doing, or watching, I guess, the uh, A to Z nominated films. I did watch uh, The Irishman for I and Joker for J. And I just haven't posted them yet. It's like I watched the film and then I haven't had time to do the posting. I don't know where my time is going, but it's going. And I'm sure you feel the same way. But I was lucky because I had watched The Irishman and then I got uh, to interview the production designer, Bob Shaw. And that was amazing. He is such a nice guy and really is like Mr. New York when it comes to designing a New York show. So that interview will be coming up in a couple weeks. And what else? Well, in this episode, I talk with set deck buyer Lane Abramson. Lane has been a buyer since the early 2000s. She worked on features such as Ocean's 12, Constantine, Fast and Furious, Tokyo Drift, John Carter, many more. She's done very hectic TV shows like Glee, The Mindy Project, Silicon Valley, Glow, Her upcoming projects are a feature called Malignant and a TV program for Amazon called Them Covenant, which sounds really amazing. We also get into the effects of the pandemic on the buyer position and talk about how we think things will change. Um, At this point, you you might be hearing my twins in the background (laughs) in some of this interview. Sorry about that. But I'm sure a lot of you know how it's going. And the balance of working and having the kids at home, it's awesome. It's, it's, it's awesome. Um, so they're fine. They were just waking up from a nap. I try to do this while they're napping, but sometimes it doesn't work out. Um, but other than that, they were fine. <laughs> so I hope you enjoy.
the deadline article? This is the yeah, this deadline article is. I mean, I have been saying since this first started, I would not want to be a producer. I do right. not want to figure this out because I don't know how we're gonna do this. I don't know how actors are gonna act, and nobody's gonna want to fly. Like, I don't know how this is all gonna come back together. And then, even like in our own departments, like the guys being in a truck together mm-hmm. and like dressing a set together, like. Mm-hmm. I know it's not forever, but it could. It's really we're we're close all day. Really, you don't think about it, but we are. Mm-hmm. Scout fans. I mean, I you know I feel like as a buyer, I'm I'm lucky. I have less personal contact with. Like we're luckier than the yeah. shooting crew. Oh you yeah, know, yeah. Every parent makeup. You know, they can't leave. No, 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 and 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 being on set, you know, work. I mean, when I was an on-set dresser, you can't get away from people on set. No, you can't get more than a foot away from people on set. Yeah, you're constantly, you're always touching the same stuff people are touching. You're in each other's faces. You're bumping into people. Yeah, you know that is a tight, tight situation. And you're right, dressing sets. I think. I think it can be coordinated in such a way that we have one guy working over there on that. You have one guy working over there on that. You yes. just have to, you know, it, it's going to, it's going to take longer. Yeah. Uh, it's not going to be as productive. They're going to have to make sure that every time we dress a set, that there's going to be a honey wagon out there. Cause that's a big problem. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> you know, that happens all the time. I all luck- the time. Luckily, honey wagons have gotten, better yeah they used to be yeah. really bad it was just like a porta john they would drop off and yeah. now at least it's like wagons that like sometimes have air conditioning which are nice and like right. working sinks but yeah, yeah. it's never it's ideal sometimes for us we don't get them no. you know sometimes it's like no um check the uh, check the 10th floor there might be a bathroom up there yeah and you it's know? and it's always there's always bathrooms there we're just not allowed to use them Right, it's such exactly. a class system of like, oh, and I understand like when we're in somebody's house and we're dressing somebody's house, they don't want 40 people using their bathroom. Right. I get so that. provide us a bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. It's not that hard. So they're going to, they're going to have to make a lot of changes yeah. before people are going to be able to go back to work. But as a buyer, I feel fortunate in the production office, obviously our desks are going to have to be further away from each other's. Um, they're going to have to find bigger production offices where they can accommodate more people in a bigger space. We are on top of each other right now. I mean, I'm the only, this is the the first time ever I have my own office. That's good. But the buyers are in a bullpen. Patrick and the Uh PA, the coordinator, they're in the bullpen. And then Patrick, they didn't even have an office for him, which was crazy, the lead man. And so they built an office in a bullpen, like, outside of the bullpen for him. Like, it was, it's like a makeshift little area for him. I feel so bad, but they're not all six feet from each other. I don't know. My my last show, we had three buyers in one office that was, like, eight feet by 12 feet. Yeah. Yeah. So me me and the other buyer, our desks were bumped up against each other. So we were, like, three feet away from each other. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, it's always, uh, I mean, we're crafty people, but but it is always tight. I don't, rarely do I ever have, like, an office office that you have room, or I'm always sharing an office, which is fine. I mean, it's fine. We're not there 24-7, but, and neither usually is the other person. Like, if I share it with the buyer, they're, they're only there, you know couple hours a day or whatever so it's not that bad i do think as a buyer it is a little bit better because you're in the car or you're going to shop but then you're out in the elements more yeah so that's true but i've got my mask i've got my wipes i've got my uh, my uh, uh purell yeah and you know at prop houses they're so filthy anyway i never touch my face because my hands are always yeah. black after shopping at prop house yeah so they are they're so, you know they're and, dusty it, it's it comes with the territory they're, they're just dusty you can't dust all this furniture all the time like there's just right. build up and these huge warehouses that all this thing right. that they're stocked in it's you can't keep everything clean it's just 
the practicality of it. Some prop houses are nicer than others. <laughs> but, you know, it's not uh, not everything squeaky clean. Right, right. But I do fear, like, sending people, right, like, downtown... Or like, you know, when we have to do yeah. markets and we have to buy tons of stuff and, you know. Oh, know. yeah. Going downtown is going to going to like Moscatels and, yeah. and being around Skid Row and going to the flower market yeah. and fashion yeah. district. And yeah, that's that that's going to be like, you know, I'm going to think twice next time I go down to, you know, the flower market. Yeah. And and I don't, I don't know how we. I don't know how do we get around all that. I don't know. I don't know. I, the, you know, we'll... Well, I think, I think pr big picture production-wise, I feel like uh, Denise Pizzini and I emailed this morning and she said there's probably not going to be n any more, like, six sets a day. Like, they got to get this into their heads. If we're only about to use one saw... Everybody's got to have their own saw. <laughs> right. We're not going to get it. We're not going to have six sets ready and then electric and like they it's just gonna have to be weaned back or something i don't know i don't know i don't know how they do it i don't i don't know how it's gonna get done and that uh in that schedules will probably stretch out longer because it'll take more time to dress sets if we have to keep distance and use more tools and we might get longer prep times. They might stretch out schedules because of these hour and a half it's going to take to test a crew just to get onto a yeah, just to get onto the set. The testing Shooting. thing to me is like that's gonna. I, I know what it should be done, but that's gonna take so much time. Can you yeah, imagine? If, yeah. Plus uh, the fact don't we don't start. We don't start with everyone. We're out and about. Like I'm out yeah. dressing. You're out propping. It's not yeah. like we start out every day at the office to get our tests done. No, they're going to have to have some kind of home home kit available at that point, or they're going to have to have um, a production office have a separate thing. Like when we go into the office, so when the set dressers go in at six, they'll have a yeah. separate thing. I wonder we'll if they'll do it at the gate. You know how maybe. I mean. Who knows? That'll take forever, but yeah, I don't know. I don't uh, know how I, to it, do it. <laughs> it's scary. I don't know. None of us know. It's you know, and the thing is, is that stressing out about it now is just what's the point? No, no, I agree. I I'm glad you know, I don't have to life figure is it out. <laughs> stressful enough at the moment as it is. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I do think we're in an industry though that I'm not worried about it coming back because I right. definitely feel with everyone watching so much TV in this little break that new content is going to be needed and yeah I I I'm not worried about our industry I'm just and I'm not even worried about going back I don't like I'm, yeah. I'm fine I know some people are like I want to go back to work I want to go back I'm like yeah I know but like you know like June I don't know Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. fine. <laughs> this job ended and I was just starting to put out the feelers for the next gig. Um but all those people that had projects lined up ready to go, um you know, all those projects now are just thrown into the into the loop because, you know, your project that was supposed to start in October is contingent on that actor being available and yeah. and now, you know, yeah, like you said. Yeah. Who knows what's going to happen with all that stuff. Um why i mean i i always liked working with you because you were always really honest <laughs> <laughs> i can't help it and in positive and negative ways you're honest but and so how, that. so so what made what gave you the passion to get into this you know i i went to art school um uh, as graduate school mm. and I studied film and video in art school mm. but the the way that they teach you film and video in art school is much different than the way that they teach you film in film school it's very uh art uh they want you to create art 
So there's right. not necessarily a narrative involved. There's not necessarily a story involved. And they're not really all that concerned with... They, they teach you specifics about focus pulling and f-stops and teach you the camera and and they teach you a little bit about lighting but you don't learn anything about what a grip is or what a grip does or 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 anything about real film production um and you're basically you check out your cameras and you go and you create your art pieces with it and i had come from a background of photography so i basically was creating moving photographic images. So I thought I wanted to be a director of photography. So when I moved to Los Angeles, I took this uh, UCLA course about um, different departments Mm -hmm. within uh, the film industry. And they talked about the art department. And I had never really known what the art department was or what it did. And that sounded really interesting to me um coming from an art background and having gone to art school and so I through some friends I I met a woman who was a production designer who did really small non-union pieces Mm. and I met up with her and I started doing things like scenic painting and really, really low budget uh, pieces, and um, just started doing everything: set dressing, props, scenic painting, a little bit of everything. Which is like the best experience you can have, really. Which is the best getting in there and doing everything. It. Yeah, being on set while they shot. Yeah, a little bit of everything, and she was great. She, I learned more from her in like the year that I worked from her than I probably learned from almost any other decorator that I worked with after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, just simple things. Clean up as you work. Throw things away as you're working so you don't get left with a huge pile of trash to the end. <laughs> and just simple common sense things mm-hmm. that um, I've brought with me, you know, all, all the way. Um, and she taught me a lot of things. And from there, I ended up getting a job as a productionist as the art department PA on Birds of a Feather, which was uh, the first big motion picture that I ever worked on. Yeah. And the production designer was Bo Welch, who uh, at the time was one of the biggest production designers in the business. He had done uh, Batman Returns and Edward Scissorhands and um just a bunch of i mean he still really, is i mean he's still he, <laughs> yeah. he is he hasn't worked a lot in production design lately he does intermittent intermittent projects yeah. but um so it was just a and cheryl karasik was the decorator oh, and, wow. and she's just one of the best most amazing decorators there are and and so just to be working in that environment with those creative people and I I got to do a lot of fun stuff I got to help build the miniatures because back then they were building models for every single set I know wasn't that the coolest thing that was the cool and they were really detailed models with with wallpaper and lights and and everything you know yeah um, so I got to do a lot of really, really fun stuff on that. And um, so from there, I, I knew I wanted to do art department, but I didn't really know what particular direction I wanted to go. And I didn't know if I wanted to go into set deck or mm. props, but I really liked building the models because I'd always been really into miniatures. So I thought set design was the direction I was going to go in. So I took a couple classes in set design at UCLA, and the second one I took had so much math involved that I, <laughs> I was like, "There's no way, there's no way. This is just, I can't do this." Yeah. Risers and treads, yep. and, 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 and yeah, it was just not going to happen. So you know, I learned uh, how to do basic 
floor plans, blueprints, elevations, and things like that. Um, and I could read blueprint blueprints and floor plans and all that stuff, which is key for us too. When yeah. we, when we get them, yes, <laughs> in time, <laughs> yeah. It is. It's really important because I look at them all yeah. the time. Yeah. All the time. And a lot of times when they do furniture plans for our director plans, there's not enough furniture on there. Absolutely. So there's like, oh, they put a bed and, and, and two nightstands next to it. And then there's like, you know, six feet. Like, right. like, well, if I just went by the floor plan, there'd be nothing there. So let's get a right. hamper and let's get a suitor and let's do that. Like, like but we, yeah. we, we, we've learned to use the furniture plans as just a guide. Yes. Yes. Just a guide. Yes. A suggestion. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so I sort of jumped around a bit and then I got an, uh, and then I got this friend of mine, was working as the prop master on a talk show and needed someone to do the food styling segments. Ooh. So I was like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll do it. So I started that. I was in props and I was doing the food segments for this talk show where I would cook the, cook the finished product and lay out all the ingredients. That's fun. And then the celebrity would come on and say, this is my grandma's pecan pie <laughs> recipe. And, and half the time I would just fudge it, you know. Just like make it look good. Time. I mean, as unless they're going to taste it. <laughs> yeah. And then they would take a bite and be like, oh, this is delicious. And I'd be like, yeah, I left the butter out of the stuffing recipe. Yeah. <laughs> Oopsie. Okay. So I sort of transitioned into props, ended up prop mastering a couple low budget movies prop mastered a movie that we went on strike to turn union oh that's that's a good that's a good one that's a way yeah. to get in <laughs> yeah and that was pretty stressful because i had production calling me you know midnight one o'clock in the morning saying are you coming into work tomorrow are you going to come in and work tomorrow oh. i said I'll be there tomorrow, but I can't guarantee that I'm going to come, that I'm going to work, but I'll be there because I come from a long line of union organizers mm. and I've been taught my whole life that you never cross a picket line. No. <laughs> so I, we all get to work the next day and we're sitting on the trucks and none of us are going to work. And meanwhile, they called in a scab crew ah. to work. And these guys are going in, and they are, but they couldn't get enough of them to, to do the job. So um, after three days, I think, of being on strike, uh, we flipped it. Wow, and good they, job. Yeah, and the show turned union, and that's how I got in the union. That's and, awesome. Um, yeah, and I honestly had only been doing this for about, two maybe three years at best before I got in the union that's really great I got really lucky I got really lucky and um so after that I continued in props for another couple of years probably until around 2002 and and then I just had a couple of bad experiences and I was I was finding myself doing third broom and where basically my job was just schlepping chairs back and forth. Mm. And um, and I wasn't particularly interested in working with the actors directly. Um, that and, and I wasn't into uh, being like the guy. Yeah. Like, you know, hey, you guys have booze on your truck. Hey, you guys have cigarettes. Hey, you guys, yeah. you know. Yeah. There's. There's a thing with being the prop, prop. master yeah. that there's a, I'm not going to go into the whole prop master thing, but prop, being in props just wasn't really where I wanted to be. It wasn't creative. And you have to be on set all day. You don't leave unless you're the shopper, but you don't leave. Exactly. So you're kind of stuck there. You're stuck there. And you have to deal with. A lot of personalities, like the director likes that, the producer doesn't like that, that costs too much, and then the actor doesn't want to wear it, or why mm -hmm. they want the pink one, or, you know, so I, I am, I always give it up to props of, like, I could never do it. 
I don't want to yeah. want that interaction at all. It's Absolutely. hard. You and, get you get screamed at by first yeah. D's. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, you and know, resetting. Remember, you're resetting a lot, and the yeah. continuity is on you a lot of the times. And yeah, it's a, yeah. It's, it was it's a it was pressure. stressful. It yeah, was stressful. Pressure. I remember one incident where the DP, because it was low budget and we didn't have effects excuse me, the DP asked me to light the fire that we were doing a Christmas scene. And he asked me to light the fire in the fireplace. And the first AD came out and screamed at me. Mm. Why did you light that fire? I did not tell you to light that fire. And the DP just sat there. Oh, just sat there. He didn't dick. say one thing. He you didn't dick. come to my defense in any way. Step out of the room, walk down the block, gather my you know because i was gonna start crying i mean it was just in oh, front yeah. of the whole crew and cast you know it was just humiliating yeah. and uh you know and and it was low budget i was having to make my own props i was having to make my own special effects and you know it, it was just tough so i transitioned out of props um but still being on set into being an on-set dresser which I liked a lot better because I didn't have to work with the actors. Yeah. And, um, but I, I liked the camaraderie of working on set. And one of the decorators that I was wor working as an on set for needed uh, some shopping done. So um, I had experience shopping uh, for props because I had done that for several years. So I said, sure. And I started shopping for her. And then another set decorator that I had done on set for needed a little shopping done. So I shopped for her and I pretty much quickly transitioned out of on set dressing to shopping. And that became a full time thing in like 2003. I, I started shopping full time and have been doing that ever since. Yeah, it seemed I don't know if shopper buyers the the same position but it sometimes you know it takes different titles but if it was as needed as it was like in the 80s like i don't know if decorators had i don't think they did or, or they just had assistants or something i don't know how they did it all if you didn't have a shopper but i and those are huge, uh, like huge features, like in the eighties or something. I'm sure there was more than just a set decorator. Like, I get that. But when you were doing big TV shows and everything, I don't think they had. I think shopper in TV is relatively newer than in, than it was in film. Well, what used to, in the old days, the lead man would shop with the decorator. Oh, right. So instead of having a shopper, your lead man would go with the decorator and did a lot of what the shopper does. So the lead man would know where the furniture was, where the aisle was, where the, 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 and could give that information to the gang. To the gang, right. Um, in When I did um, the uh, Birds of a Feather, in uh, that would have been like 1995, uh and that was a really big movie. We had we had one buyer on that movie. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, we had one buyer. And I and up until I would say about two years ago, one buyer was pretty much the standard. Yeah. Yeah. And you would occasionally bring in a second buyer as needed, but I've noticed now over just the last two years that it's become very common to have two buyers. Two buyers and I'm starting out on impeachment with three. Wow. Which is, but I should say they're also, it, it was also a discussion of this show really needs two decorators. Mm -hmm. So when that is upfront and honest of like, well, if you don't want to have two decorators, cause I can't possibly see how you're going to get all this done. <laughs> like, and, right. And I got to be honest. I don't think I'm the person to do that if it's just me and two buyers. Like, I got to be honest with you. I think you need another decorator. Okay, right. you, you know, financial. And then I don't even know how it would work if, uh, just to sidebar, I don't even know how it would work with another decorator because 
It's not like, oh, you do episode five, I'll do episode six, because we're shooting episode, we're shooting out an actor first for eight episodes. So what am I, you do that? Like, it doesn't, it's too hard. At some point, it's too hard to even have three buyers. I got to just do it myself. I don't have the time. So yeah, I could, so it is becoming more and more uh, commonplace to have two buyers. And I think that's just our demand the demand of of it getting is. these sets done and shooting them and there's just so many sets in scripts now like yeah. not every phone call has to be in a different room like <laughs> i know i know i know they, but but i mean the way, yeah okay, okay go ahead i'm sorry no i was just gonna say the way that they've ramped up the amount of content in each schedule um the uh you know, I remember when it was pretty easy as a, as a single buyer to get through a five-day schedule or an eight-day schedule yeah, um, on my own. <laughs> and now two buyers can barely do it. My last show, we had three buyers. Yeah. Um, I did a feature where I was the only buyer um, right before that. Uh, we brought in a second buyer for about two weeks, but I, I, I got that whole feature done as the only buyer. And, and that's malignant? Uh, is that what it yeah. is? Yeah. 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 And how was, and, how was that? Well, you know, that was interesting because we were on, it, it was, even though it was a James Wan movie and James has a big name, it was his pet project given to Warner Brothers as kind of his uh, uh, gift for uh, Aquaman. Oh. So they gave him this little budget to mm. make his horror movie. Um, and what we did, what, what ended up making the most sense was to make a deal with one prop house yeah. So made a deal with Warner Brothers and we shopped exclusively at yep. Warner Brothers. Yep. And in a way it made it easier because we had to do everything out of Warner Brothers except for the specialty stuff. Mm. So unless we had to go to one of the specialty prop houses for something specific like Easy Props or Alpha Medical or something right. like that, the whole movie came out of Warner Brothers. And um, and thank God they will still do deals like that. Because, and he did a good deal with us. Yeah. He made a really good deal for us, knowing that we were on a tight budget. And, of course, they bitched about it a lot. You know, Robert every Greenfield. time they came in, yeah. 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 They're like, I'm malignant here again. Well, yeah. we're going under a different name when we were when we were shopping. So, you know, but they would they would comment every time we would come right. in. <laughs> but, but needless to say, you yeah. know, we got the movie done and um I you know, we'll see how it turns out. It's gonna look good. Yeah. And it's a it's a hard I film. mean uh, from what I saw, uh it, it looked pretty great. That's awesome. That's fun. I mean I Yeah. I don't rarely are films even in LA, so kudos for you for getting one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the decorator I worked with has not done a feature or a show in LA probably in about six years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's the first thing she's done in town in about six years. Damn. Who is who is the decorator? Uh Jennifer Gentile. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. She's great. But yeah. like, like her she's been in New Mexico. She's been she's been all over Hawaii, the United States right? features. Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah, yeah she's um, been all over. <laughs> all over the place um so yeah so that was the story with that one so it was a really tight budget we purchased next to nothing on that show um other i think than bedding and some wow a little bit of lighting we we really rented just about everything and good job because uh, that's hard uh, to even do yeah, even curtains. I think we rented almost all the curtains. Wow, that's, that's yeah. really hard to do because it takes a lot of time to go through and get the right sizes and measurements oh, for yeah. curtains when you're renting. And you're like, I could just go buy this at Target. Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It really, really, really does. I mean, it was it made it in a way it made it easier in a way it made it harder because okay we have to find drapes and we have to find it at warner brothers and yeah. so you are in the drapery department for three <laughs> or four hours 
And they and they have an enormous amount of character drapery. Yes, they do. And then beautiful patterns and fabrics and huge, huge amounts. But it is so time consuming. It is extremely time consuming. So time consuming because as soon as you find the right pattern, there's not enough of it. Right. Or, or it's too big and they won't right. let you, and you know, they're not gonna let you cut it because that's the only, that's it. They're not getting that fabric again. So right. it's such a game of like. It's I, true, but but they've done a, a magnificent yes. job of reorganizing yes. it there. They've made it easier. so much better to shop. Yeah. Um, but yeah, drapery is, drapery is one of my least favorite things to shop for. I have Me to too. admit. Me too. Yeah. I never, I, I always seem to, like, when we, when I scout and Patrick will be like, oh, okay, we're going to shear this. They asked for shears on this window. And I'm like, all right. So I'll get four panels of shears. And he's like, oh, you really need eight. And I'm like, no, we don't. I'm like, <laughs> 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 well, I don't want it to be that thick. If we're going to see this shear, at least, like, open it up so we see what I'm doing here. We'll get six. Split the difference. I'm like, all right. It's like a total argument every time. But uh, uh, so that is a small budget but you've done some yes. pretty huge budget films too i mean you've I done have. like fast and furious and oceans 12 and constantine i mean those are huge budgets and it's probably the same problem so i'm waiting for you to come back on oh, my back i was <laughs> how about now yeah i got you now okay. i lost you on constant Sorry. Oh, on I was saying, uh, Constantine. I mean, is it the yes. same? It's the same problems whether you have a big budget or not. <laughs> really, it is. It is the it same is. problems whether you have a big budget or not. You you still have a budget that you have to stick to, and you know, the bigger the movie, the bigger the sets, the bigger the expectations. Um, a lot more manufacturing goes involved, so you're spending a lot more money. Uh, building and creating things and you know it really it it depends on the movie and you know for example the major I did the the third Fast and Furious which was the one that was set in Tokyo and the biggest part of our budget went into shipping all of the stuff that we bought from Japan to bring to the United States because most of it was shot here. Right. So we bought a large amount of vending machines. We bought a lot of signage uh, and we bought a lot of, you know, bicycles and a lot of street dressing. Right, right. Um, Everything from transformers to uh, street lights to construction stuff um and and that was a large part of our budget was uh the purchasing but also the transporting of of getting all that stuff shipping containers of stuff transported from uh from japan so that was a large part of the budget and of course the stunts uh you know the driving stunts the sets themselves were quite minimal and and the sets themselves were, were not very expensive to to do did what was the timing of shipping um was it like six weeks or was it like oh we could get that in two weeks it wasn't that long it was about a month i think that's not bad i mean unless a month or three weeks for for the stuff to show up we had we had a, a couple of shipments come at different times but um i think it was about three weeks to a month wow when it showed up yeah God. Well, I mean, that's the type of thing, like, I can't forget something. It's like right. it's going to ship. Exactly. Like, do we have everything? Do we think we have everything? But that's, exactly. that's a nice thing, too, about a film. The script isn't going to change that much. Right. I mean, you have the whole film in front of you. You could see, like, oh, we're going to need this, 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 and this. It's not like a TV show where, like, I don't know, episode eight, we might need it. Like, that's... Well, I'll tell you a funny story. <laughs> I did this movie called Role Models. Oh, yeah. We, I kid you not, before we started shooting, we went through nine completely different full scripts. What? Before we got a final shooting script. 
Huh. Were so, any of them funnier? <laughs> each trip was completely different from the one before. So we literally couldn't do any prepping until we got the final script. Jeez. And they put us on, uh, they took, they put us, I think we went down for a month or two where they kept us all on payroll for eight hour days where we all went into the office but had nothing to do. So you would just walk around and people were just watching TV on their computers because there was no script ready. We couldn't prep anything because we had no idea what was going to be in the next script. Why bother? But they didn't want anybody to leave. (laughs) It was the weirdest thing. That's crazy. (laughs) Yeah, that was funny. (laughs) And it's, uh, I mean, I like that film, but it's not like it was like, uh, memento or something. You know, right. it wasn't exactly. like a brain. Like they couldn't figure it out. It was it's a right. simple comedy. <laughs> right, right. I mean, it started. They were a beer company, and then it ended up being an energy drink company. And and uh, you know, there were big changes. There were minor changes. There were, but I mean, you know, one script after another. We had two different directors. We had two different production designers. One would quit. Another one would show up. And, yeah, it was crazy. And uh, it's amazing that the movie actually turned out as good as it did in the end. Because, because it had so many. We all thought it was just going to be a tank, you know? But you like working on hard things. You like taking on, I, like, a Glee or Silicon Valley or... And, and I mean... I mean, I've heard stories about Mindy Project that it was very demanding for set dressing. That was a hard one. That was a hard one for a couple different reasons. One, which I I would rather not go into. Sure. Um, but produ- production, it was just a confusing, it was just not well produced. It was... Yeah. Um, it had a lot of issues going on. There, yeah. there were just a lot of issues going on with that show that, that made it difficult to work on. And I, think I it, only did the first season, and even that, I didn't even finish the first season. And I think it went on to have, like, six decorators or something, so... Yeah, or four, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah just, something along those lines. It was, and a couple different production designers. A lot of uh, input from uh, people who shouldn't be inputting. Yeah, <laughs> I think. Yeah, um, but Glee was hard. Glee, Glee, Glee was, was demanding, and all the the singing and all the the sets and. Glee was demanding, but it it was, you know, once again, I was the only shopper on my season up until. About midway through, we started bringing in temporary second shoppers. Mm-hmm. Towards the end, we we ended up with a full time second buyer because it started getting really busy, but. The, the one episode I remember that was the hairiest was we did a Christmas episode. And oh, the thing about holidays. Oh, God, I know. Oh, it's the worst. <laughs> it's the worst. It's so stupid. Christmas episodes are always the worst. We all hate them. Yeah. And especially when they're very specific. Mm. So we had one tree that had to have vintage only Christopher Radford vintage ornaments. Um, we had to do one set that was a reproduction of the Judy Garland, Liza Minnelli, 1965 Christmas oh, special. You should have just hired Ethan to do that. <laughs> oh, that, one, that came out beautiful, actually. That turned out really well. But the hardest one was every episode had to have a musical number. So right. in addition to all the sets, you had to do a theatrical number. Right. For this particular theatrical number for Christmas, we had to have 40 blue Christmas trees. Now, we could not find 40 blue Christmas trees from any one single source, even though only one person made them. So we had to source out 40, 40, well, they like the tin, like the tin ones, like what do you, like blue, like you could just paint trees blue, like. I, I think they were blue tinsel. Blue tinsel, I want yeah. to say they were blue tinsel, because if they were flocked, we could have done them ourselves. Oh, I see. So, yeah, and they, they had to be a certain size. So we ended up spending something like $40,000 or <laughs> $60,000 just getting these 40-something trees shipped 
in time for this stupid musical number for Glee. Oh um, and you know, it it was it was only difficult in that Ryan Murphy is very very particular, and you have to do a board for every single set, and the board has to be approved. Yes, and oftentimes the boards wouldn't get to him until the the set was already dressed. Yeah. So you had to hope that he liked it because the set was dressed and ready to go. And luckily, luckily, uh, he never rejected any of the sets we submitted. So so we were good. We we got very lucky. Um, but there was a I learned a lot of stuff about Australian poofs. And <laughs> <laughs> the things we of- learn. Yeah, the things we learn, all kinds of theatrical drapery stuff that I really hope I never have to think of again. Um, But, um, yeah, Glee had a lot of different elements that made it a little tricky. Um, But um, it it was probably one of the harder shows, I would say, that I've worked on. And what season of Silicon Valley did you do? I did season one of Silicon Valley. Oh my gosh! Again, starting off the starting off the series like one of the hardest things, and like that's was I just know from I don't I watched the first season. I think I watched the first two seasons, but it just has an incredible like every season they do these gigantic sets and like Hooli and all that jazz and like yes. Yeah. Yeah. We did. They had done the pilot. Um, I can't remember. I can't remember who did the pilot. Um, but they had, uh, they had created Hooli in the pilot. So we, for the show, we recreated some of it and had to do more. Um, and the house, we recreated the house. We, Mm purchased and re we did re-rent some of the stuff that they used on the pilot we purchased some stuff and and replaced and dressed out some of the rooms that they didn't use on the pilot we added um but there were some scenes we did a big um there was like a kind of tech gadget conference that oh, yeah. we did per yeah. season that was a big that was a pretty big set that we had to do um but but that show um what was lucky for me is i had a decorator who really likes to shop on that particular show and and all decorators are different i have some decorators who just don't like shopping i've had decorators who tell me who have told me outright i don't shop i had a decorator on one show say to me, I don't shop. And she wasn't kidding. I mean, not prop houses, not retail stores, not nothing. Never. Um, I have other decorators who like going to certain prop houses, but don't like going to other prop houses. And then I have other decorators who love to shop, who hate being stuck in the office and take whatever opportunity they can get out and shop, they will. So this particular decorator who I did Silicon Valley with really liked to shop. So it made my job a lot easier because I was the only buyer on that show. Oh, yeah. Um, that she, she did a lot of shopping. We shopped together a lot. Um, so it made my job a lot easier because there were two of us doing the work that a lot of times it, I'm, you know, responsible for a lot of that. I don't really feel like I have um, an option. Like, that's part of the job. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, as far as like timing and everything, oh, I didn't get a chance to go there or I'm sending you here because I can't go or I always feel like it's that or you know what I mean? And I try to divide up like if I can't get there, I'll ask, you know, someone to do it one time and someone to do it the other. So I'm not like constantly asking someone to do my work for me. But I feel like that's my job. That's what I'm here for. I like going out. 
I don't want to be yeah. in the fucking van and like I don't want to be in meetings all day long. Right. Six different, right. you know, locations. Like I, it's a relief to go out and go to uni and spend the morning. Like, right. Like, and I know a lot of decorators who feel like that, but unfortunately you guys get stuck. Yeah. You get stuck in meetings. Yeah. You get stuck on scouts. You get stuck dressing sets. You get stuck in more meetings. You get stuck in the yes. office doing budgets yeah. that you guys I've noticed as time goes on and, and why we end up with second buyers is you guys end up get stuck in the office more oh, and yeah. more and more as the years go on. Yeah. And that's why we end up with second and third buyers. Yeah. Because you guys are stuck in the office more now, not because you want to be, but because you have to be. I and <laughs> so now you need more people out there. I do a lot of uh, like advanced liquidator because it's all online. <laughs> Uh-huh. Or if I could like make up yeah, a lot of people like and then do a set yeah. by email and be like, okay, at least I did like my part in that set. Like now can someone do the smalls for <laughs> like uh-huh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. absolutely. And the decorator that I did Silicon Valley with, I've done two other shows with recently, and she does a lot of shopping online. She she doesn't particularly like using prop houses. She likes to buy things. Yeah. Um also because the, sh- the last two shows I've done with her are period shows, so mm. she prefers to purchase. Um, so she does a, a vast portion of the shopping um, online, yeah. and we do the um, prop house stuff. I do a lot of online shopping. I do a lot of Wayfair. I do a lot uh-huh. of Amazon. If it's oh, on yeah. Amazon and I can get it, I'm not going to send someone out to four different stores. I'm just right, going to get right. it. Like, And that is out of not like convenience instead of like necessity of I don't have time to send someone to four stores Mm -hmm. so I'm just gonna buy it myself on Amazon and I've narrowed my choices unfortunately to what Amazon has but I don't care I gotta unfortunately I gotta get it done so and then is the two period shows you're talking is one glow because I want to ask you about yeah glow glow is one of them so how did you not call me and ask about casino design (laughs) I was a dealer. What? Remember, I was a dealer. Oh, that's <laughs> right. As soon as I saw the show went did all Vegas, I was like, oh, I would have loved to have done that. Like, and oh. I was like, did, are they recreating the Riviera? Like, what are they doing? Like, oh my god, it's so oh, great. No, it's so I, great. Honestly, it just completely slipped my mind that you were a dealer. So I have so many questions. I have so many questions. They're like, how did you get? Did okay, you buy go, all the go, slots? Go. Did you? No. No. Okay. So, the casino was a fictional casino based on no, no other casinos. It had an Asian theme. Right. So, um, uh, the, the casino, fictional, Asian, called it the Fantan. Yeah. I um, thought it was maybe like Imperial Palace or something back in the possibly, day. Yeah. It, possibly. <laughs> the rec- they did a lot of research on Vegas, on the casinos of the 80s. And um, it's quite possible that they drew inspiration from the Imperial yeah. Palace. That's, that's quite possible. Um, I wasn't on when they were doing the initial research, so um, I wasn't there for that. Um, I came on, um, they had already picked wallpaper and carpet. Um, uh, the... Um, well, ask me questions, and well, then I can, I mean, I can like, answer the questions. When you're sourcing out, like, the casino or pieces. Or no, well, the, the, when you're sourcing out specific things for a set, like, like slot machines or card tables, I mean, I know they're really expensive if you went to, like, buy them. I know that there's places in, like, Vegas, like, um, graveyards of, like, old stuff that you could buy and maybe get new graphics for. Was it, was that the road you guys took or were they all rentals we we actually rented them all we made a deal with rc vintage oh wow that was a lot i didn't realize they had that many yeah they have a lot rc vintage between rc vintage and lenny marvin we got all of the slot machines and all of the tables and all of the chairs and bar stools we recovered the bar stools um and uh, we recovered some of the bar stools, 
and some of the chairs came from Warner Brothers, but all of the um, tables and machines came from prop houses. All the accessories for the machines, all the cards, the sticks, the chips, all of those were purchased. And that back, the uh, backstage area is really great. The dressing room and everything that must have been fun. Yeah, yeah, everything was bought, pretty much everything, every accessory, almost every small, everything was purchased between eBay and Etsy Mm -hmm. and Parrish, almost everything was purchased on that show. Oh, wow, that's awesome. I mean, we bought vintage makeup, everything is vintage, there's nothing in that backstage that wasn't period correct. Mm. And even though the details are really tiny, like every bottle of Noxzema, every (laughs) bottle of Maybelline is all period correct. Did you just print new labels or did you find? like We found. Wow. Yeah, we found it. And what we couldn't find, we printed new labels. Like when we had to do a uh, salon, we bought um, new... We bought a quantity, I found a, a, a plastics place and bought quantities of vintage looking like Vidal Sassoon type oh, bottles yeah. and did our own graphics on them. That's awesome. Um, because we needed quantities. But as far as like the makeup goes, we found enough on eBay that we didn't need to do um, fake labels. And we played with it. If it was from 1982, we'd use it. And if it was from 1987, we'd probably use it. Were you into Glow? Did you watch it when it was on in the 80s? Uh, I don't know. I didn't. I loved it. I watched it every Saturday. Did you really? I loved it. It was that. And then Friday the 13th, the the series was on after that. Awesome. It was great. I watched it every week. I knew all the, I mean, and then there's that great documentary about uh, the the big chick, the uh, Hawaiian chick, how she got sick, how, like that. Machu Picchu? Yeah, how it like, you know, <laughs> was really bad for her body. I mean, the weight was bad for your body, but like right. <laughs> the wrestling was on top of it. Oh my God, just seeing what those girls went through, like. Yeah. I, I didn't watch it in the 80s, um, but I did watch uh, the first season when it came on. And uh, and uh, so I was a fan of the show before I worked on it. Um, but no, I, I didn't know about it until I saw the show. What is the movie Them about? I couldn't find anything. Oh, Them Covenant is a new show for Amazon. And Ooh. it is... Oh, it's really interesting. It is about the first black family to move to, I believe it's East Compton in 1953. Mm. So at that time, Compton was divided into two sections and one was all white and one was white, but black families had already started moving in. Mm-hmm. So this is the first black family moving into the all white section of Compton. Oh. So it deals with racism, but there's also a supernatural element to the show. Oh, so it's creepy and it's disturbing. Is there any black Dahlia type stuff in there? Because I like um, that. <laughs> I haven't seen the dailies, but I have seen the sets, so I know that the sets look great. Um, and you know, I. I I don't know how it's filmed. I mean, 50s L.A. is really nice. It's really fun, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the cars are amazing. Um, The houses, what they did is they built out in Pomona, they built a block of these 1950s houses. It looks sort of like Edward Scissorhands. Ah, that's awesome. Brightly painted 1950s suburban block. And then we did the interiors on sound stages. And each house has its own sort of color theme. And so that, you know, the characters have their own colors and their own styles. And uh, yeah, Um, but that's tricky, too. You know, you have to do a lot of research because um, 
you know, you can look at a piece of furniture and go, well, that looks 1950s, but it could also be 1960s. There's a lot of stuff that fit that that crosses over 50s and 60s mm-hmm. and even early 70s. And you really got to study it because mm-hmm. a lot of times you pick up a piece of furniture and it looks like 1950s, but it's not. You know? And the 50s are, are interesting because the 40s were, I mean, you always could have something older in there. Which we did a yeah, lot. Because people we don't update. And, and, yeah. But you want to sell that it's the 50s. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a weird thing of like reality. People don't refurbish their house every year just because it's 1956. Like, right. But you want to have the feeling of the 50s in there. But there is a, there's a, there's a difference between the forties and like people started really getting into furnishing their homes and the urban sprawl and the, like the everyday furniture became more popular and like mass produced and everything. So and, right. Haywood Wakefield. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. So that's a beautiful period to do, but yeah, it's hard. I mean, do you have like resources that you are go to for that? Well, I'll tell you, we did a lot out of Omega. Mm. We did lot out of Omega. Um, we had to do a, a sanitarium and um, like a, uh, um, I don't know, was it a tuberculosis? No, it was a mental sanitarium. Oh, and we did like, white metal beds. And... <laughs> yeah, um, we only had to do one, like one room, so oh, we didn't have to do good. a whole room. Oh, that's good. Originally, that. it was a big room with multiple beds, which we found the beds and everything. Uh-huh. But it ended up being just uh, one room with two beds. But we did have to do a re- uh, like a waiting room mm. and an outside area, which we did a lot of wicker and, mm. you know, card tables and stuff like that. And with the inside, we did it all in a, like, craftsman kind Ooh, of nice. vibe. Because you don't see that very much now. So it was like... Oh, we get to use craftsman furniture. Yeah. I haven't yeah. done that for a while, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And we we did do a lot because it's funny when you look at styles with furniture and also with clothing, the very beginning of a century really reflects the end of the century right. before it. So right. we're in 53, which really looks a lot like the late 40s. Right, right. Um, except that we have television now, right. you know. So you got to fit so, that in. <laughs> So we we did do um, a lot of mixing of there's some 30s furniture, some 40s furniture, some early 50s furniture in there. Um, and we really mixed it up so that that every environment had a different style so mm. that we didn't do the same style over and over again. Yeah. Someone might have a more modern it's a lot contemporary of wood. look. <laughs> Someone might have more of a traditional Americana colonial look, you know, so so that each character had a different different look. How many episodes is it? Well, I it's supposed to be ten, but they uh, shut down right at the beginning of the tenth episode, I think. Mm. So they're got to go back and finish that mm. and. And I think that's it. It was supposed to start airing. Um, I'm not sure. Well, these editors remember. are working. You know right. I mean? Like, editors and writers, they're working. Editors and writers are working. There'll be plenty of content once yeah. we're up and running. Yeah. I'm sure there'll be a little bit of a lull, but not really. Not that anyone will notice. There's so much stuff going on in the, in the world. I think, though, that's, that's a big thing, too, is that deadline article was saying about like tax credits and moving to you know Canada for a cheaper thing is not going to be as cheap anymore and or worth it I don't think the actors Mm -mm. are going to want to do it I think they're right Mm -mm. but you went to Shreveport to work right I did I did did a I decorated a little movie in Shreveport yeah how was that location did you like Um, it (laughs) you know it would have been okay I, I just was really lonely. The biggest problem of being on location by yourself without having a, a crew, 
I mean, it was so low budget. It was me and it was the designer. I didn't even have a lead man, really. Yeah. I had a guy on the crew who could, like, pick stuff up, but I couldn't count on him to lead, so I basically led the show myself. Yeah. So, and the designer was just so busy because she didn't have an art director um, that I was just lonely. And once the set got built, there wasn't anything left for me to do. So I was lonely and I was bored out of my mind and oh, I was wow. stuck in Shreveport. <laughs> if it had been New Orleans well, or yeah. something. Or it depends where you are. It would have been different. So, um, you know, and people are telling me, don't drive around Shreveport. It's not safe. So I was like, I couldn't even leave the hotel. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was kind of a drag. <laughs> I, I feel like, uh, yeah, I mean, you can either be completely bored or you never get a day off. There's, right. That's the other problem going on location right. is like, well, I don't have anything else to do. I might as well work. I might as well go shopping. I might as well research this. And like, you got me here. <laughs> right. I mean, the weeks were fine. It, you know, work was fine. I was busy at work. But then, you know, the end of the day would come or the weekend was come. And I'm like, oh, I could go to target again yeah Yeah. i'd kill to go to target right now though oh i know (laughs) isn't she a spark i learned a lot from lane when i worked with her on bones and i'm sure she was like who is this dipshit decorator But I'm glad that she came on with me and um, she helped me produce some really great sets. So I'm very thankful for that. Um, Look for upcoming episodes, which include production designer Ingino Calabrera, which I know I'm saying wrong. I'm going to get it right. I promise. Bob Shaw and Corey Lorenzen. Also, very exciting. I've turned some of the clips from these podcast interviews into YouTube videos with some behind the scene pics and they're just little snippets like a minute or so long um, but it shows how we get it all done it's on the youtube channel decorating pages or the website decoratingpages.com now i know you have a minute or two on your hands just scroll on over rate the podcast real quick on itunes clickety click 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 real fast five stars you're done thanks i hope you got an earful I'm Kim Wanup for Decorating Pages. Decorating Pages is sponsored by Stogie Floaty. Float them if you got them. Luxury pool floats. On sale now at stogiefloaty.com.